Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Brendan, do you know the way yesterday you were telling me what you had for dinner? Yeah. You were like, oh, I had carrots like my granny used to make me and some potato. And then you said you had a pork chop. All I could think was that gammy leg hanging out of the freezer. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, let's go, come on. Let's be clear. Shrine of Duty. You are being interviewed today as a witness, not as a suspect. The official, unofficial podcast. My team will get to the root of anything. Shrine of Duty. Hello and welcome to episode five of Shrine of Duty, the officially unofficial Line of Duty podcast. I'm Rebecca. I'm Brendan. I'm Hannah. And mother of God, do we have a lot to discuss this week. Um, episode four of season five premiered on Sunday night. And I'm going to be honest, lads, I'm still shook. Me and Brendan were just saying there, we think that was our favourite. Yeah, it's my favourite one of the series so far. Definitely. It was amazing. Um, Jill threw serious shade. Loads of juicy lines, but also very dark. Yeah. Very dark, especially when we saw Jackie Laverty's frozen leg. (laughs) Jackie's leg. And then obviously there was a very dramatic death of a key character. Hannah is going to have all the details in a recap in a few minutes time. But first, fellas. Well, oh my God, I actually completely forgot about this. How could you forget? The totally bank holiday reset him. We have to talk about the biggest thing that has ever happened to us. In our lives. In, In our, our lives. entire lives. Like, yeah. Our dreams came true last Friday night when we met our Ted in person. <laughs> Very <laughs> handsome, isn't he? So Adrian Dunbar was on The Late Late Show. I'm trying to... How can we explain The Late Late Show to anyone who isn't familiar with it or hasn't seen it? Do you know why Craig tell me The Late Late Show is the longest running TV show in the history of the world? Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. What? Yeah. It's the longest running uh, late night chat show continuously or something. There's like an asterisk. But it's, yeah, it's the longest running TV talk show in the world. So it's basically like an Irish institution. Like, yeah. It's like Late Night with Jimmy Kimmel or one of them. It's like our ones of them, but it's only on once a week. Yeah. Or like Graham Norton. Yeah, sort of like but Graham Norton. But a little bit more theory. And it's, it's been the biggest TV show in, in the country. In the yeah. country. It's like yeah. Graham Norton, but priests. So, guys. <laughs> Hot priests. He was gorgeous, Class. that priest on that episode. Um, so, guys, would you like to tell the Shriners? I've named people the Shriners. Do we hate it? Who do we think we are? I know. Can we do that? We're going to be cancelled. We now. are going to be cancelled now. No, maybe we won't do that. But uh, would you like to tell everyone how this incredible situation came about? Brendan, would you do a dramatic reenactment? Um, so about what three weeks ago? Mm. Yeah. Also, how did we keep it quiet? Oh, I was bursting at the scene. So about three weeks ago, we got an email from a producer on the Late Late Show called Mora, and uh, she introduced herself and said, "Hi guys, Mora here from the Late Late Show." <laughs> We what? were beside oh, ourselves. I honestly fell off the chair when beside I Beside ourselves. Um, I got really warm. 
and she said this is top secret information but Adrian Dunbar is going to be on the show in three weeks time guys we had embargoed Adrian Dunbar so intel for two weeks so we'd recorded two podcasts she was like so obviously Adrian Dunbar is going to be on would you guys come on to be in the audience and talk about your podcast and maybe ask Adrian Dunbar a question I mean we would I mean, did, is that a question we Maura? were squealing someone in work came over to me and was like Ari is everything okay I was like no it's not okay. Yeah. I can't tell you why it's not okay. So then Maura said, obviously, you're not allowed to tell anyone that he's on the show and you can't mention it on your podcast. Oh, we couldn't make eye contact with each other in this room last week. <laughs> and I was I was wearing a wool jumper that day. That was a bad choice. We were sweating <laughs> after we heard that news. So then then we ended up on on the show like we 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 were more involved than we thought we were going to be we so when we went to RT me and Rebecca got ready together dolled up to the ninth I had two inches of foundation on oh like you could you couldn't see me face the like. biggest lash in boots and <laughs> out we went to RT got a bit like not like proper drunk just a bit buzzed before to cope oh you'd oh, have you to have two to. glasses of wine to settle your yeah, nerves yeah we had to have never a few been so nervous in my I whole don't life. even like Prosecco but we had a few we did and he was the first guest on so we went out and we thank sat god. down thank god we went out and we sat oh, down oh he wasn't the naked bike people oh don't forget me, them the <laughs> yeah you're gonna see a few boobs and I saw it, a tweet that made me laugh a lot and <laughs> it was just tits on the late late I've seen it all now <laughs> tits and priests happy good Friday oh you wouldn't know what you'd get um, so then we went out and we kind of thought they might throw to us and they might do it you know like a Roman well we were mic'd up oh there was a mic there was a lapel on our shirts we were lapel. little battery packs in our bottoms yeah so like, like, like what you see on telly I felt so like exciting. we were on live and kicking so when that <laughs> <laughs> when that happened I started to get a bit nervous because I'm like oh this isn't just maybe we'll ask them a question and we'll show it out like we're lapel. And when we first walked in, the girl at the desk was like, Oh, you're marked for camera. Oh, yeah, that was so dramatic. We were like, And were you thrilled because there was people behind us and they were kind of looking to see who we were? Oh, they're having Fuming. a nose. And we're like, Oh, no, yes, we are. We're marked for camera. Marked for camera. Um, so then, yeah, the Naked Bike people came out and then Ryan Turbidy did a little intro and he said our Ted is coming out and then, oh my God, he came down. He looked great, didn't he? Oh, I mean, he's a very handsome fella. The yeah. glasses, the hair, lovely style. Somebody on Twitter again asked, was he, play- <laughs> was he playing Daniel O'Donnell? <laughs> well, that is because... Um, Adrian Dunbar actually performed a song on the show which we all didn't know about so we had the interview with them we had a chat we went up on stage and got a selfie and then Adrian took the microphone walked across beside the band and didn't he perform What a Wonderful World Serenade I was nearly crying at that point Is there anything our Ted can't do? He said he used to be an Elvis impersonator So I uh, we actually sorry just to name drop we asked Ryan Tuberty about this <laughs> Yes the host He used to play guitar for an Elvis impersonator Ah. Like, I mean, what can't he do? But his voice is very rich. You could hear parts, like you could hear Ted coming through. You could hear Adrian Dunbar's actual speaking voice coming through. And I love that. Yeah. It's like the way Kate Nash is like, you can hear Kate Nash's accent coming yeah, through. Like it was he, beautiful. Yeah, you and could hear it. I mean, we were up on stage with him. Me and Rebecca got a kiss on the cheek. I think, Brendan, yeah. you probably went through and you didn't get one, did you? I, I, well, I was unsure because <laughs> you got a kiss on the cheek and then you got a kiss on the cheek. And then I was like, oh, I I, I don't know. And then I kind of leaned in and then I just put my hand out <laughs> and I shook his hand. And I went, Adrian, and kind of nodded. And then afterwards, because like, I don't know about you, but I'm not 
ever used to be on live TV. I was in a blind panic. I, I barely remember. I don't remember what happened. I barely remember it happening. So afterwards, I went, "Oh my god, did I call him his real name or did I call him Ted?" I like, <laughs> and I freaked out. I was like, "No, I think I called him Adrian." Yeah, and I had the panic of I was the one that had the phone. So I was like, "Please let this just go well." Imagine the photo was rotten. Imagine my phone died. Yeah. I was just happy to get through all of that, guys. It was an incredible experience. We never thought in our wildest dreams that, that would happen. But look. Dreams do come true. We're so grateful. Please sing like, a bit of Gabrielle for us. And he was lovely. <laughs> do meet your heroes. You do. Um, so do you can them. you can watch Adrian's interview and his stunning performance of What a Wonderful World back on the RTE player. And now, lads, what wasn't a wonderful world was the latest episode of Line of Duty because it was filled with tension and heartbreak, really. I want to just come straight in with the recap of what a wonderful link that was. <laughs> Um, okay, you, I guys, I have six fans. pages this week. Yep. Like, I do more for this than I did for f- six years of college, just so yeah. you know. Um, okay. AC12 arrive at a hospital to visit Ted's wife. Sam is there. She won't go away, as Rebecca said today. Why is she in the show? There must be a reason still, mm. but she's hanging around and annoying me. Sam tells Ted that um, his wife will be fine and will make a full recovery. However, when Ted heads into a room, Sam turns to Steve and Kate and reveals that Roisin didn't want Ted involved. And that's why the case was given to Serious and Organised Crime, the unit that was headed up by the late Les Hargreaves. Mm-hmm. 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 A devastated Ted speaks to his wife, Roisin. We see her knees, ankles and wrists are injured. He asks her to explain what happened and she says that a man called to the house saying he was Steve Arnott from AC12. Before she could check this over with Ted, someone who Roisin presumes to be a second man broke in. He was wearing a balaclava and spoke with a Belfast accent. This man said Ted knows why he's broken in and knows what Ted has cost him. And Ted's having a fit over this, like real panic. Like he was upset before he went into the room. Now he's kind of terrified. Um, he pleads with his wife saying if they were still together, this never would have happened. She is raging over this and throws him out of the room. In the corridor, Ted tells Sam, you better pray that perpetrator's in front of a judge before I get my hands on him. First really good line of the yeah. this like yeah. yeah, of the episode. Sam asks Ted if there's any significance to the pattern of the injuries Mrs. Hastings has, and Ted says no and leaves the hospital looking flustered. Outside he pauses dramatically by an ambulance. he he came across like he was lying when he said no mm. about the injuries. And then the, the dramatic look. Yeah. The, that Belfast accent at the start, I honestly was like, What is going on? I thought it was shite. But I could, but we hadn't heard it. But when we first yeah, found we out the mention, yeah. I was honestly like, I don't know what's going on, and I'm live tweeting this show. And as, like, I okay, understand. and 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 as Ted said to his wife, he's like, "You've met Steve," and she was like, "I know, I know, I know." But in the moment, yeah, 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 it was a weird one. But no, I knew. I don't ask me how I knew, but I knew that was John Corbett. Yeah. You can hear his accent coming through. Yeah. The Liverpool accent, I thought. But also in the last episode, we did see him put the balaclava on. Oh, yeah, and we knew in. it was him, yeah. but I still, I still questioned it at that yeah. time. So Kate and Steve watch the exchange with Sam and Hastings suspiciously. Sam then asks AC12 if they've any new leads on Hargreaves. And then she says, I'm learning the hard way how people react when they find out you've got a bent boss. And throws a very loaded look towards Kate and Steve as if to imply Hastings is bent. And then, please give up, love. She's like, Steve, call me. I was like, hon, that's not why Steve's not calling you. But he's not going he like to call you. you. He was in prison. You walked in at the lowest point in his whole life, fucked him off, and now are literally following him around the whole of season five, being like, call me, call me, your boss is bent. No, go away. Is that fair? Yeah. 
Yeah. Thanks. Um, okay, alone, Steve and Kate discuss Roisin's injuries. Steve refers to them as classic paramilitary punishment points and says, let's hope the gaffer opens up before we have to start asking. Now, in a switch from last week, Kate jumps to Ted's defence, mm. reminding Steve that he's had the shock of his life. I really enjoyed Kate in this episode. I feel like we got a bit of old Kate back. And we got to see a little bit more of her because she's kind of been in the background. Yeah, and I think deliberately in the background. Same. Right. She's too quiet. Nothing, she hasn't really... Like loads has gone on with Ted, loads has gone on with Steve. Oh, we've barely spoken about her on the podcast. Kate, yeah, like that's this. how I feel as well. And I'm starting to feel nearly guilty about that because I love Vicky McClure. Yeah. And actually, can we just stop there for a second? She liked our photo on Twitter. <gasps> And that was the second best moment in my entire life. <laughs> Nearly <laughs> fell off. Then the I chair. put up a tweet about the fact that she liked our photo. <laughs> and she liked that tweet. Throwing away the Vicky, we love McClure. you, but we want to see more you, of Vicky. you in the series. And we're worried now as to why you aren't in the forefront. Is something coming? Yeah, I think so. Vicky was my hairspiration for five years, but I could never pull it off the way she could. And I'm glad I've grown it out. Anyway. Um... <laughs> In the OCG HQ, Lisa and John talk to the laptop. H seems pleased with the Eastfield Depot job, but says... <laughs> Sorry, this is the bit talking talk to, to the laptop. laptop. They do it's ridiculous. Though. They do talk to the laptop. I might start being really dramatic to you guys and let you video call me, but refuse to respond and just text back when I'm yeah, like, really hung over or something. Um, okay, so H seems pleased with the Eastfield Depot job, but he says he's heard the gang have bitten off more than they can chew. John asks for help with getting rid of the goods, but the call disconnects. John pushes Lisa to reveal who's on the other end of the call and says he can feel it in his water that H is a bent copper and Lisa just stares at him. She does a lot of stares. She does. But there's so much in them. So much in them. Yeah. It's like smizing what Tyre Banks used to do on America's exactly. Next Model. How do you act that good? I don't know. She speaks a hundred words through one look. Yes. Yeah, they all do in this show. It's just mm. brilliant. Um, back in AC12, Steve confirms our theory that the frozen condoms from the brothel were being used to blackmail police officers into working for the OCG. Speaking to Kate, he reveals AC12 are working on identifying the officers involved. It's a horrifying task. Um, one of which was Hargreaves. However, when tested, Hargreaves' deposit was found to be relatively recent, meaning that he's only just gone bent. And Kate concludes that there is no way that Hargreaves could have been H. Okay. She says H big goes moment. back. H goes back much further than that. Yeah. And I was like, yes, it does, because you were there when H was, was first mentioned and yeah. invented. Uh, yeah, season three, episode six. Yeah, so that she was knows. a line of juicy, I think, from Kate. That was her mm-hmm. line of the week. And that's just line of Judy all over, because that was said in about two sentences from Steve, and he just grabbed her in the office, and it wasn't this big deal, and it was no. a huge piece of information. Um, okay. Tatlene interrupts this conversation to introduce Amanda from Cybercrime. She's been helping with the investigation at the Kingsgate Printing Services. Amanda explains to Kate and Steve that the OCG laptop they uncovered accesses the internet via dongle and communicates with a device with an IP address in Spain. Someone's on holiday in Malaga. Exactly. However, as Steve um, butts in, this doesn't necessarily mean the user is in Spain. They could just be concealing their location. Pleased with her work, Kate gives the order for Amanda's team to develop a plan to impersonate H. Ted visits Deputy Chief Constable Andrea Wise in her office. (laughs) (laughs) We just get giddy when we know the Jill's Madam is already (laughs) in there and she's raring to go. Oh, she was. Oh, this is a bank holiday special. Flying for The purple top was gorgeous on her. In the first four seconds of Ted's arrival, she makes sure his wife won't be getting flowers sent on behalf of the force (laughs) and delivers the shadiest line I've ever heard in my life. 
that poor woman at her age. <laughs> I nearly oh. fell over when yeah. I heard her say I that. I love to hate her. I Same. love her. I yeah. love her. A hurry. I gotta start saying that. You're like, oh, I fell over. I have a bruise. I'm like, a hurry. <laughs> I did fall over. <laughs> I had a fall yesterday in my auntie, and I showed her back of my bruise, and she knows I'm limping. At your age. At your age. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Shador. Oh my god, the look. I am three weeks older than Rebecca and you're older than all of us friends. And I am. Watch it. Um, wise questions Hastings about the raid at the Eastfield Depot, raising the issue that £50 million worth of goods were stolen under AZ12 surveillance, which I mean, fair enough. <laughs> Pretty bad, isn't it? <laughs> Hastings retorts angrily that they caught Hargreaves, the head of serious crime, no less, and will round up his associates, including Corbett, believe you me. Wise raises the issue of Ted's personal involvement in the case, but Jill vouches for his integrity, saying no one is a better stickler for regulations. He's the best man for the job. Wise then tells Ted this is his last chance. He throws Jill a look, thanks both women and leaves. Jill wants him on the case for some reason. That's what I read from that. Why is she standing up for him? Or is she playing him because she's about to set him up for a fall? She wants him there for something. I can't figure it out. Yeah. But that's not to be nice. And it's not because they hooked up. It's because it suits her agenda. Yeah. But then she does follow him down the stairs very fast. Here we she? are now. Yeah. So Jill catches him in the car door outside and tries to hold his hand. Tell t- Ted tells her that his wife was attacked at the exact same time they were together, mm. pulling his hand away and ending the relationship. He says, if that's not a sign, I don't know what is. And Ted leaves Jill's company for the second time in two minutes and she's not impressed. Leaves? Did you see him leg it down the stairs? <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't get away faster. Back at his hotel, poor Ted can't have a minute's peace. Brandon. So there was another line of juicy, just at, oh, like it slipped oh, oh, away. Of like course. I think. Oh, it, sorry, I my, know. I think this is my favorite line closed. from the episode. Yeah, so yeah, it was brilliant. The door is closing, and just you over here. So was it Jill that initially said that? Oh, you can't send flowers. You know, hospitals and yeah. infections these and days. Wise. And Straight then as the, the door closed, you just hear Wise on the phone going there. <laughs> We're going to have to cancel the flowers. I'm veering towards muffins. And we all know about hospital infections last season with Andy Newton. The MRSA. The up the nose. <laughs> Any excuse right. to talk about that, Aaron? <coughs> Sorry. Whew. Back at his hotel, poor Ted can't have a minute's peace. Moffat is waiting in the reception for him again and hands him a brown envelope claiming it includes more background on the proposal. Ryan, Miroslav and Lisa arrive at Terry Boyle's flat which is across the road from Kingsgate Printing Services. Loved that little shot there. That Me over too. The blo- under the blind. When very, she very the blind. quick. The last time we saw Terry was in season one when two of Tommy Hunt- Hunter's men stored, <laughs> <laughs> stored Jackie Laverty in his freezer and lo and behold, she's still there. Miroslav goes for a beer and when there's none in the fridge, she checks the freezer and we all knew it was coming and we get a look at Jackie's leg and uh, she's back. We knew she'd be rolled out, Brendan. Were you like, delighted? I was Were you screaming. screaming. So was I. Like swearing and screaming. I was like, this is it. Jackie Laverty is coming out of the freezer. It's that second where he goes, I'm going to go get a beer and I'm like, he's in the kitchen. Um, and then he goes, there's nothing in the fridge and I'm like, yeah, cause initially, Check the freezer, pal. <laughs> initially, he went to the fridge and it was brand spanking new. And I was like, oh, they've changed the fridge. Like, she's gone and mm, we've missed yeah. it. And then he's like, check the freezer. No, I was Meryl Streep, you know, at the Oscars. Check the freezer. <laughs> I was waiting. For Why it. do you guys, I know we'll get to the theories, but it was a bit unusual that Jackie's been brought back into it. 
I know that we knew that she was part of the Kingsgate print and she was laundering her money there and yeah. all of that, but I do think there's just something in that. She mightn't be coming back back. That could have just been a bit of a fan payoff. To yeah, maybe. I think so. I don't I, think there's any more to it now that we've seen her. Two time. things to tell you about that. Terry um, is being played by a different actor. Yeah. He was originally played by Elliot Rosen. He's now played by Tommy Jassif. Also, has he moved? That's not the flat it's that he was originally flat. in. No, it's not. No, because he was in the bog or whatever that was called where yeah. Ryan and stuff lived. Yeah. So they brought Jackie like into the kitchen. Oh, they just wheeled her in the new, yeah, in the freezer, yeah. Well, did the freezer move house? Well, like... Or are we just supposed to think that it was the same flat? No, I don't think there's never continuity errors. I think it's funnier to think that she was on a moving van <laughs> in that fridge and like slightly defrosted for a bit and then plugged back in real quick. <laughs> okay. Oh, dear. Well, Ryan and Miroslav joke about the corpse. Lisa grills Terry about the break-in at the printing shop. She asks if he remembers what any of the police looked like. And he said he forgets things. It's so cute. But um, takes photos on his phone. So Lisa takes the phone outside. In the car with Ryan and Miroslav looks through the photos. And we see our Ted and our Steve. Now, she recognises Arnold as the copper who's been investigating the gang. And at that point, realises that AC12 have been onto them long before Hargreaves was involved. And figures out that the OCG have a rat. John approaches Steve's apartment block with an envelope with Steve Arnott's name written on it, which was a throwback to season three when Danny Waldron had an envelope with, with Steve Arnott's names mm. on it. Yes. Yeah. Um, but he spots a car and new surveillance cameras and leaves. He then calls Steve from, a, from his vehicle, furious that he's been set up. We see an officer in Steve's flat tracking the call and a whole team back at AC12 with Kate listening to the audio. Steve attempts to convince John to hand himself in. He says he will one day when he's had enough evidence. And I just knew that one day thing, that was foreshadowing. I'm like, he's never going to get to that point. We're never going to see Steve Corbett walk into AC12 the way he wanted to. I had a bad feeling. It was, even though we're shocked at what happens, when you are looking back now, you do realise that there wasn't much hope for his character after he tortured Ted's wife, really. Yeah, and it's like Tony Gates. There was no way out for him. So he tells Steve to listen carefully and plays a recording of the break into Roche, the break-in into Roshan Hastings' home. We hear a man with what I'm claiming is a dodgy Belfast accent, <laughs> even though they're really going out of their way to um, tell us that they're na- that it was native and she was saying, you know, it's an accent from back home. And I'm like, cop on, no, it's not. And Steve said it's, says it's very good. I know, I think that they but, were they were like right in how good that accent but like, is. But how long has he supposed to have been in Liverpool for? Because that's also a very strong accent. So, so he, he moved to Liverpool when, when he was 10. 10. Yeah, so the Liverpool accent would really overtake a Northern Irish accent. So if you I knew w- when you were ten, true, and it is—it's another strong accent. So it's very know. strong. I was live tweeting this episode, and I—I I didn't know what to say about the Belfast accent. So I was just like, "What do people think of the Belfast accent?" And someone wrote back to us, and they go, "It's better than yours." <laughs> There's Jill on the Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Um. Okay. The man asks if Ted is home, and when Roisin reveals they haven't lived together in a while, Stephen Case send all of the other officers out of the room they're in. Love that bit. It was really dramatic. Steve asks if the voice in the recording is John's, and if he carried out the assault, he replies, "No comment." We hear Roisin tell the man in the recording that Ted invested all of their life savings into some crackpot scheme five years ago. John implies to Steve that Hastings' death proves he's been blackmailed by the OCG. And when Steve pushes John on the pattern of injuries Roisin sustained, he says the answer must come from Hastings, that if he tried to explain it, he would be wrote off as a liar, same as he always was. Yeah, love that line, line of juicy. What I, what I loved about this was like the fact that like 
Kate and Steve are kind of like sort of semi-investigating Ted now or not mm. investigating but they're sussing him out and you're just like <gasps> yeah yeah, they're suspicious mm. yeah. and that line same as he always was so he's attempted to to blow the whistle or bring this up before and got nowhere yeah, yeah. And that, it yeah, kind of explains a... maybe why his actions are so extreme and he goes that's got to come from him and guys it just it made me love him again remember I was upset last week I'm not I'm back on it I know he obviously shouldn't have tortured people he shouldn't have murdered people but I think it explains his background a little yeah, bit more. Trying to do good. In Ted's hotel room, he boards a whiskey, opens the envelope from Moffat, and it contains a plastic package of fifty pound notes. And he stares at it. Meanwhile, Kate and Steve meet in AC12 HQ, where Kate defends Hastings again. She said if he has such big money problems, it would have been picked up when he was vetted, but Steve thinks he might have found a way to hide it from the force. He wonders if the assault on Rosine was a reminder from the OCG of their control over Ted. He also says the Belfast accent in the recording sounded native. Kate initially says she won't authorise digging into Hastings' past, but she gives in to Steve's argument and the pair visit John Corbett's wife, Steph. I only realised this when I was um, researching this week that Steph is actually played by an actress from Dublin. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. her name is Amy oh. Devrun, because I was like, that is not... Yeah, it's an Irish name, isn't it? Yeah, but it's not. it wasn't a native Liverpool accent. I was like, that's someone putting on an accent. It's like, no offence to her, just you can kind of hear it. So I was like, I wonder where she's from. And she's from Dublin. Ah. So that's kind of cool. One of us. I mean, because so are we. Um, they ask her if John ever served in any Northern Irish police forces or if he's any family connection to the country. She's lying for him. She says John always claimed to be Liverpool born and bred. Was that better? That was really good. That Thanks. was really good. Um, she tries to dodge their request for his driving license and his birth cert, but eventually gives him a marriage license. Back in AC12, Tatlin confirms the surveillance on Steph's house has gone live. Are we all... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I needed this detail because I, when you're saying things now, I missed things. Did you? Yeah, kind of. Like, I just so much happened. I feel like that every week when you do the recap, you're like, I would not have realised this unless no, I was I, I really this. understand what's happening at the moment. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Okay. John, Miroslav, and Lisa meet another gang in an in a vacant office building, and the sign on the building says vacant office building in case you didn't realise I liked that. When they walked in, it was one of my favourite moments of the Why? series because so. Murislav and I think Ryan and Lisa or else it's Murislav uh, John and Lisa all walk in and the other gang turn around and they go you're like three celebs it's like Love Island and I was like ah. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was gas I was like wasn't expecting that do you know yeah, what with the kids Ryan wasn't there it's like they don't let him come into things he's always out waiting in the car if you watch actually yeah it was he actually wasn't yeah, there yeah he was waiting in the car Marislav, Lisa and John and, yeah. yeah exactly um, the new gang say the Eastfield Depot goods are too hot to move but they can work together in other ways now the OG OCG have lost their brothel and will need a new place to their words not mine obviously work their livestock John is like disgusted at this point like the the term livestock actually turned my stomach yeah and he he can't even hide it he's just disgusted Mm -hmm. devastated he's like how can I get out of here Um, and he tries to convince Lisa to leave but she says business is business and sits down with the new gang to talk things through outside John and Lisa talk he attempts to um get her to kind of move away from it again he admits to screwing up the Eastfield job he says the goods are too hot but he tries to convince her not to get into trafficking with this new gang almost pleading with her he asks if she likes what she does and she replies you can't think about it like that you just do what's expected but that line is a bit interesting as well because what's expected like who is it that is expecting her to do things it kind of implies a chain Mm -hmm. of command which we obviously know there is because of the laptop but yeah but she claims she doesn't know exactly It's not brilliant. It's five words that tell you so much information. Um, 
Just as all looks lost for John, Lisa reveals that she has set up a meet with the top dog to ask for help in shifting the Eastfield goods. That's what John needs. John needs a bit of leverage right now and he thought he wasn't going to get it at all. And then she kind of gives him that. So back in his apartment, John rings Steph. She tells him that Kate and C visited again and explained that they were asking about Northern Ireland and possible family connections. John asks, do they know anything about his mum? And then mm-hmm. Steph asks him, do they know anything about Anne-Marie? And they both break down in tears. It's really sad, isn't it? Like, it's a heavy episode. It is. It's very heavy. And I think afterwards, I almost couldn't really talk to anyone after. Yeah. Hatch just try and... At the end. Yeah. Hatch just try and sit there and process what the hell, how horrific it all was. We'll get there. Yeah. In AC12, Kate and Steve meet Hastings in his office. They update him on the Corbett case, telling him about the laptop, how they figured out where Corbett is living and their plans to set up a meet. Hastings is delighted they've got Corbett, but Steve suggests leaving him in play a little longer as he's convinced John is in communications with the top man. Hastings is having none of this and dismisses Kate and Steve out of the office. In a very cool scene, actually, we see Steve getting wired up. I loved that, did you? Yeah. It was oh, really yeah. cool, oh, was wasn't like, it? That, it kind of was like the mics on the late late <laughs> under his waistcoat. <laughs> um, yeah, so we see him getting wired up for the meet with Cora, but he says he'll do everything he can to make John give himself up peacefully and he puts his gun back into the police vehicle. However, Hastings quickly hands it back to him and says they're taking no chances. Mm-hmm. Then Kate turns to Steve and reassures him that it won't come to that. I loved that because it just yeah. shows the dynamic between the three of them. It's kind of collapsing like Hastings has got. He's just kind of losing it a bit, isn't yeah, he? Kate's yeah, Kate's kind of trying to pick up the pieces because yeah. he's unraveling. Like his yeah, wife's involved right. now. His wife yeah. has been tortured by this man and he's yeah. killed however many police officers. Like it's everyone's unraveling. Yeah. Um, Kate and Steve watch John from a van give Steve the order to, to approach him Steve attempts to bring John in but John refuses he tells Steve that the OCG are meeting the top man today I was going to try the Liverpool accent but I won't if you nick me now we'll never get this chance again speaking into his earpiece Hastings insists that Steve arrest John right now Steve tries a number of times to get John to cooperate giving up his intelligence as tension builds John reveals that he was the one who assaulted Roisin Hastings and that he can't hand himself into AC12 tension and the way he said that to Steve made Ted realise that Kate and Steve knew this information already. Like, yeah. it was so fraught. Because it wasn't a revelation for Kate. It was a more like, oh, why did you yeah, say that now in front of Ted? Yeah. Um, John tells Steve he has blind loyalty to the gaffer, preventing him from un- uncovering the truth. In the van, Hastings demands Steve to arrest John. Kate asks him to let things play out one more time, but he overrides her and forces her to also push Steve to arrest John. It's only when Kate asks Steve that Steve then pulls the gun on John and tells him he's under arrest, but John pulls his own gun. So Steve was completely overriding Hastings. It's only when Kate who's one rank obviously below Hastings but his friend and someone he respects and she was like arrest him and he was like John Corbett you're under arrest so I thought that was kind of interesting like it was just so tense like the the, the contrast between you could see the two lads having the standoff and oh, then, and you, then the you knew that he was like having all this information in his ear which was kind of putting him off yeah. do you know what I mean yeah. and it was just like oh my god that and you could shot. just see Steve wanting to do the right thing because he has a question mark over Ted yeah. so he was like I just want to do the best thing in this situation the and conflict he, playing out on his face was yeah. amazing but he wants to preserve life and then Ted screaming in his ear saying Fahrenheit Fahrenheit yeah. and obviously that's what happened in Steve's first job was that oh, the Fahrenheit really order really was called point. so obviously he isn't going to want to shoot someone who could be not innocent we know he's not innocent but mm. who could be ultimately trying to do the right thing in the wrong way which I think he is 
Um, so then we get a seriously tense standoff where Steve is trying to remain calm and assess the situation with Hastings roaring in his earpiece to shoot John Corbett dead. The order is Fahrenheit. You shoot me, John Corbett says, and the truth never comes out. What kind of copper are you? Oh, I Wasn't love this good? line. I love this. Good. What kind of copper are you? One who cares about orders who, or one who cares about <sighs> justice. So just that was my line of juicy, I think, one of my lines of juicy of the week. So John knows these moral questions get to Steve. They've worked on him before. This is what he uses. He plays Steve like this. And Steve is clearly having a total meltdown. John tells Steve he'll reveal where and when the OCG is meeting the top dog if Steve removes the wire, which he draws, and Hastings calls him a wee gobshite. That's my, that's my <laughs> yeah. line of juicy. That's the brilliant. brilliant line. The wee gobshite. Wee gobshite. Was, but I was like, you're so stressed. How are you yeah, saying yeah, yeah. the wee gobshite? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. like, you yeah. fucking, you know what I mean? That's what's yeah. so funny about it. It's just the wee gobshite. Uh, so he orders the AFOs to move in, but not before John tells Steve that the meeting is happening at the Palisade Shopping Centre at 4pm and he makes his escape. Um, John also at that point, I forgot to include this, but I remembered it later, warns Steve to be careful about who he tells that information to because if the top dog doesn't show, which we know he doesn't, mm. Steve knows there's an AC-12 I week. thought that was one of the most crucial so points of the episode because what he was saying was don't tell Hastings. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then we saw what happened. Um, back at AC12 HQ, Kyle. Now, I don't know why I find this so funny, but I just have Kyle as such a young person's name and Kyle is the head of the AFO team. Yeah. Right? So Kyle <laughs> confirms John escaped to the underground car park through a service door and apologises to Kate and Hastings for not having the door covered. We also learned that a search team have been deployed into his apartment. So Kate and Ted watch Steve in a separate glass office and admitting that he's let him stew long enough, Ted goes to leave to question him. But first, Kate asks Ted for guidance on how to write up her report for that afternoon's incident. She tells Ted she's concerned as his Fahrenheit order was irregular and Hastings defends his decision saying Corbett was an immediate and credible threat to the public with a history of violence and therefore lethal force was justified. Unimpressed, Kate agrees and Ted storms out. Now, I loved that scene. Yeah, I mean, you know, technically on paper, Ted could justify it, you know, using Mm. that. But he was completely irrational in the back of that van. Yeah, he's got a personal reason to to want him dead. And and, and whether it's just his wife Wife or or there's more because he's afraid that John is going to dig up a load of stuff from his Belfast past. Yeah. And I'm actually loving the grey airiness of Kate because while she's defending Hastings, she's also not going to not question him and say what you did, that Fahrenheit order was mental and completely illegal. Do you know what I mean? I really like that she did that because he went mad at her. Yeah, she's the voice of reason holding the show together. In yeah, the yeah. Minute for sure. And I kind of felt like in this episode, Kate and Steve were both both managing Ted or c- kind of controlling Ted to as much as they could not to be dicks about it but, but to make sure that Ted or whoever it is that's you know the dodgy top person is is caught and they were they were trying to strike such a fine balance between not offending him but yes. also just checking that it wasn't him yeah like at the end of the day he's your boss yeah um, but also it's looking bad I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Um... Okay, he marches, Ted marches across the office and straight into the room where Steve is waiting. He won't let him sit down and denies Steve's request to talk to someone more privately as literally the whole office is gawking <laughs> up. The whole place. Um, Steve gives his report and explains why he refused to shoot Corbett. Striking a chord with Ted, he says he's not an assassin and if loss of life can be avoided, it should be. And Ted was like, oh, really can't argue with that. Like, mm. yeah. And I think it was the first time that Ted realised that if he... Like, he was going to order Steve to murder someone who was standing two feet away from him. Like, that will seriously mess you up, like, policemen or not. Do you know what I mean? Steve's been through a lot already. Yeah, I think it was the first time Hastings was like, God, what I did was out of order. Hastings demands to know the intel Corbett divulged when Steve took his wire out. Steve initially refuses. And for the first time, I was just like, just don't tell him. Oh, my God. Just I don't really tell him. I really didn't want him to tell just him. Just lie. Yeah. And that was the first time I really realised my subconscious has an issue with Ted. Yeah, yeah, we I all are really wanted we're, him to not tell him. But we're, we're but we were we're rooting for Ted. But at the same time, now we're all suspicious of him. And in this episode is the first time I've been like, I was like, don't uh, tell him. Just don't tell, tell Kate him. and you and Kate go off and just, yeah. the day. just don't tell him because then that meeting can take place and then we can rule him out and be like, that's it. It's not Ted. Grant. Yeah. Um. Exactly. Yeah. So Steve initially refuses, but Ted gets scary and says, "You're skating on thin ice with me, GS Arnett." wafer thin Ted Caves Lisa, John and Miroslav wait in the Palisade shopping centre for their meet with H they're surrounded by UFOs and AC12 watch on 4pm comes and goes guys they were the most they were the least discreet people (laughs) I have ever seen the three of them standing there Miroslav like yeah Miroslav I'm sorry would you not swap him out for Ryan like a sore thumb and that I don't know what it is Ryan just looks like I don't know they're like oh Ryan's a college man and I'm like he's there like He's mm. a full-on criminal. Yeah, he's a keep. And then the police people. weren't discreet either. I was like, "Hang on, I you're imagining if you're standing." I was like, "Mead wants to go and do the big shop, and I'm like, what's your man <laughs> doing with the gun?" Oh wow. <laughs> Um, Corbett realises that H is a no-show as he leaves Kyle love Kyle radios Kate and says he believes the suspects are armed and the risk is too high to the public for them to attempt to apprehend the OCG members Kate agrees reluctantly and Kyle tells his team to stand down outside Ryan waits by the car Lisa, John and Miroslav jump in and leave Tatlin tells uh, tells Hastings that H was a no-show and no arrests were made now he looks out his office window and I was reading that look as suspiciously relieved do you remember the look? I don't. Okay, so Tatlene walks into the office and she says, um, sorry to interrupt, I just want to let you know that H was a no-show and there was no arrest mate saying. She's yes. like, thank you, Tatlene. Yeah. Then he goes over to the blinds and he flicks them out and he looks out and I was reading that as relief. 
Okay. He's looking out at Steve and isn't Tatley and kind of in the shot. No, he's looking out the window. They're not there. Steve oh, and Kate are down in the Palisade shopping centre. Maybe we'll go back and watch it and yeah, tweet about it because yeah, look and see. I read Sorry, that. Sorry, I do remember. The, I do remember the look, and I, the, the way I interpreted it was that Ted already knew that H didn't show. That he, he was. That's how I read it. Okay, that's why that I wanted to ask you guys yeah. because there's ways to read it, and yeah. that was just my interpretation. And I want to know what the I read think. it. That when she went into that room and said, just, "Oh, he didn't show," that like that wasn't new information. to I Ted. just feel like it's all too obvious, guys. Is it obvious? Because I don't know what's going on. Same, but I just feel like they're really, it's just all too obvious. It's like, oh, Ted's H, so he's not going to show. I, yeah. I, 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 like I've been saying, I'm still unsure if he's H, but he's deaf. No. He's, oh, he's, yeah. he's doing something. Yeah. Now, speaking of doing something, next scene, Hastings visits Lee Banks in Blackthorn Prison. If you need a refresher, we last saw Lee Banks in season five, episode two. Mm-hmm. He's in the Corbett McQueen OCG. He was arrested in Jane Cafferty's house after being set up by Corbett to bring her money while the property was under surveillance after by Stephen. The husband let him up the stairs. Of course yeah. he did. Um, so Banks asks who Hastings is, and he tells him, "My department were the ones to put you inside." Banks turns to an officer and says, "I ain't saying a word to this bastard." To which Ted replies, "Is it my favorite Ted line ever? It's so..." It's just, oh, I loved it. Sit down, fella. This bastard's got a thing or two to say to you. Trust me, you'll be glad you did. And that's all we guess. The next we see of Ted, he's leaving the prison. And something I only realise on second watch, mm. not driving. No, he gets no, into someone's yeah, car. He's been Getting driven. in to an unmarked black car. We don't get a look at the driver. And then they do maybe like four seconds of very clearly showing us Ted yeah. in the back of a car. So what that said to me was... It's not secret that he went. Yeah. No, he signed in. He's wearing official uniform. Yeah. All and and someone drove him. Is is Jill Bigelow giving him a lift to the hairdressers? There's a record. <laughs> there's a record of his trip to yes. to go and talk to Lee Banks. If anyone wants to check it out. Yeah. Yes. So is it above board or do you know what I mean? Because yeah. at the start I thought maybe it was suspicious, but no, he's being driven. So I think. And guys, also a big question: Where the hell is Alison Powell? Yeah, I miss yes. her. I really hope we get to see her again. And Steve's back pain problem. Both both of those non-existent in the last couple of episodes. Really fair point. Okay. Um, at AC12, Tatleen tells Steve, who then tells Kate that they have Corbett's prints from his apartment. The team has used these to trace his history and Tatleen reveals he joined the force in 1999. We then learn a lot of interesting information. This is a brilliant scene. Yeah. So we learn, John was given the Corbett name when he was adopted at the age of 10 in 1989. His adoptive mother's maiden name was McGillis. Tatleen believes she was a close relative as John's birth name was John McGillis. He was born in Belfast. His father's name was Anthony Patrick McGillis, deceased in 1984. John would have been 10. His mother's name was Anne Marie McGillis. She died in 1989 and John moved then to Liverpool. So hence the move to Liverpool, hence the adoption. So Kate tells Hatley not to discuss this information with anyone other than her and Steve and to find out everything she can on the McGillis family. I.e. don't tell Ted. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. 
Um, that was all really interesting, wasn't it? So yeah. interesting. I really didn't see that coming from anywhere. I know, obviously, he put on the Belfast accent at the start, but there's been no hint into John's past uh, before now. You kind of just thought, oh, he was a copper who went undercover, and now it's transpiring that something serious could have gone down between him and Ted mm. in the past, or his family. Yeah, and, and he's the thickest Liverpool accent. There was absolutely no impression that he would have been from anywhere else. Nothing in his, the way he spoke or anything. So it was brilliant. Um, so John drinks alone in the club. Lisa approaches him and tells him H has made contact but things are strained. In the back room we see Lisa and John open the laptop. This then cuts to a room full of AC12 and cybercrime staff. <laughs> like has this been happening the whole time though? Do you know what I mean? Um, we hear two voices and Steve identifies the males as Corbett. He asks why H never showed for the meat. Amanda, who's typing, pauses to look through a flow. God love her, she must spend ages on this. Yeah. <laughs> to look through a flow chart of pre-composed responses and Hastings literally lifts her out of the chair. Briefs her out of it, grabs her, the lappy. Tells her she's making a meal out of it and takes a seat. So he begins to type, telling Lisa and John that they need to get the Eastfield Depot goods out of the country and seek passage to a port. Now, when he wrote that, I was like... That's a real weird way to talk, isn't it? Like, if I was yeah. in a gang, I think I'd be like, you know, just get yourself to a boat, not seek passage to a port. I was like, he's going to give up the, yeah, give it up here by talking like an old man. He was very familiar with the old laptop typing and everything. He was a very fast typer for a man of his age. John said, <laughs> <At> his age. <laughs> Uh, John said that it would be great and Hastings replies I can definitely pull the right strings we need to rely on help from our friends in blue then he finishes with I need you to bring all this to a close and the camera goes straight on to Lisa where she looks super confused and super worried and then John goes and questions the order but Ted disconnects the call and Kate and C watch Ted in disbelief as he leaves the room and that word on the, yes. the MSN messenger that mm. wasn't spelt correctly, I nearly, Yeah. I mean, I did not, I thought that could have just been an error. And someone said last week that Jed doesn't make mistakes. Yeah, and how right they were. Yeah. So definitely was wrong again. Definitely was wrong again. But the, the brilliant thing about Jed's writing is, it's definitely wrong because your one Amanda and cybercrime have gone through the whole laptop, yes. put together this, flow chart of responses and said this is how you write this word but they didn't tell Ted that though or did it spell check did the the software spell check it or did Ted know that they spelled definitely wrong and just do it anyway (sighs) it's the fact that you can still question these after having what should be proof that we can still question he also did do what H has been doing on the laptop and that's when they ask another question he he just disconnects disconnects straight away yeah yeah that was too flawless wasn't it and then, boom, straight out of the room. Okay. There's a meme going around on the internet and somebody's <laughs> photoshopped the uh, the cover of uh, Oasis, definitely, maybe. And they've changed <laughs> the spelling. <laughs> oh, I love the internet. Yeah, me too. Um, okay. John waits in a car, pulls in on the side of the road and a white bus pulls up and Lisa and Marisab jump out. So they're dressed really smartly and they act very professionally as they lead a group of women into a vacant office building. Lisa reassures the women saying the pit stop is just to make sure everyone's documents are in order for the employment agency before carrying on to the hostel. And John just sits there and he looks devastated because he knows what's happening and we all know what's happening and it's sick and it's hard to watch. Inside the building, Lisa and Miroslav drop their cover and the women are shoved into a small room with two members, which I presume are from the new gang. Mm. And it's here they realise what's happening and they just begin to freak out. In a corridor, John tries to get Lisa to let the woman go, but she says there's no escape for people like this. He offers to help and asks her to trust him, and she nods and says, I trust you. 
I believed that. So did I. So did I. And I, f- and I still believe it. Yeah, and I felt like he was so close to actually just going, do you know what, I'm actually an undercover officer he and was, I can help you get out of the situation. This was the biggest test he's ever been putting in his life. And I actually can't believe he's acting. I know I go on about how much I love him every week, but he looked like his mind was going to explode. Yeah. Like he couldn't walk into that building. Like it was sick. Yeah. So in a small room, Miroslav, Ryan and two other gang members play poker. John sits on the couch behind them. When Lisa enters the room, we hear distressed female voices from the hallway and she tells the others there's not long left until the trade. Ryan makes a stupid joke, leaves to go and keep the women quiet, but he leaves his gun on the poker table. John eyes it and then shoots a look to Lisa. John takes a seat at the poker table. And waits for the right moment. Again, those looks like we spoke about earlier, how they don't say anything, but my God, you can literally read their thoughts between the two of them. Lisa as well, Rashinda Sandal is her name, like absolutely. Because when you know what happens and you're looking back, she, her look is even more conflicted. Yeah. Because you're like, are you acting to pretend, John, you're in on it? Are you really in on it? But you know, you can't and there's no way out for you. Like, but Ryan leaving that gun down as well. You but know, he left it down on purpose. Yeah, like it's just... The whole I thing was, was praying John, John yeah, wouldn't pick setup. it up. I was like, please oh, don't pick sorry. it up. Please don't pick it up. Please don't pick it up. I didn't, I, sorry, I, I didn't, didn't, didn't realise at the time that it was a setup. No, no but at the time I just kept being like, John's going to ruin it for himself now because because they're all going to be like, what are you doing? Do yeah. you know I was the opposite. I was like, pick it yeah, up. Same, pick same. it up. Um, okay, so John shoots a look to Lisa. He's waiting for the right moment, but the noises from the next room are just getting more and more disturbing and his skin is crawling. So he just grabs the gun, points at Mirosav and the other two unknown gang members and tells them that they're going to let him free the women. They're not coming after him. And he orders Lisa to open the door. Locating the room that the women are located in, John kicks it down to reveal a member of the new OCG simulating sex noises and he's stunned for a second and Ryan suddenly appears and slits his throat. And as he bleeds out, Lisa leans in really close to him and calls him a rat and he shoots his gun at nothing, misses everyone and dies. Then Miroslav commends Ryan and I have goosebumps. I'm not even joking. It was like so shocking. Mir- so shocking. Yeah, I literally have goosebumps. Miroslav commends Ryan and Lisa orders them to get this mess cleaned up before we trade the livestock. I found that scene so shocking because by the time we realise what the hell's going on and why that guy is making those noises in that room, John's dead. Yeah. As fast yeah. as he yeah, yeah, would have realised yeah, yeah. the way they shot it, I just honestly was like, yeah. what? What? I, it was about three seconds of screen time. When they kicked that door open, you're fully expecting to see something else and then your brain is trying to play catch up because it's the shock of this young guy just standing there by himself. Yeah. And then the camera switches and it's Ryan with the... No- and it was also really graphic, a bit like Manit's death yeah. as well. And But Manit, so you had a warning, I feel like. She was brought to the dock. She was kidnapped. Yeah. There's a bag over her head. There was no warning here. And also what was horrendous <sighs> is there's not even relief when you open the door. It's not just an OCG member standing there making noise. Like the women are still there. Uh, yeah, yeah. They're still getting traded. They're still screaming, crying. Um, so when the men leave... Um, Lisa walks slowly up a corridor and we watch her from behind presuming that she's the coldest most horrible bitch to ever walk the earth yeah. and then the camera cuts to her face and she's hysterical and she covers her mouth and nose her hand so as not to make a sound and then meanwhile in Merseyside Steph Corbett turns off the light in her children's bedroom and says mummy loves you daddy loves you and the credits roll and that's it yeah. like it was a really powerful ending and like that until 
we saw Lisa walk down the corridor and kind of muffle her face. Oh, yeah. I just thought that she was the coldest, Same. cruelest criminal going. Same. And then just like that, it changes and you're like, oh, hold on. There's, there's, there is more to this and there's more to you oh, as a character and a person. So- good I cannot wait to find out what's going on where did you, did you guys just sit there like this oh I like, don't know what to say as you started like just describing that again my throat Same. actually feels so sense like tender I feel like crying I was writing it out today and I don't know how like it's just so emotional and so real or something but you know usually yeah. after an episode we're all whatsapping each other and laughing our heads off or like making jokes or saying oh my gosh like we all were just silent in that group being like I can't believe that just happened yeah. I had to go to an engagement party Oh, and gosh. I was late for it already. So I had to like jump up and like have an espresso martini and go out and do all a few I was star think- jumps. do a few star jumps and all I was thinking was Stephen Graham's gone and that was desperate and what's going on with Lisa McQueen and I think Ted's involved. Yeah. I couldn't sleep. So what do you think is the crack with her? Like is is she being you know, do, is she knowingly being controlled by Ted? Is she unknowingly being controlled by Ted? Is is it nothing to do with him? Is she just part of that OCG? Part of another OCG? Is she from another AC three or nine? Nine, or yeah. I think she's the, a youth. Yeah, one hundred. The, the possibilities are just endless. They but, are, and her performance in that last scene exceptional acting so subtle someone tweeted saying uh, Roshenda Sandal 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 for her superbly subtle and nuanced performances Lisa the scenes between her and Stephen Graham have been exceptional and that Lynn Nice tweeted that to us that is uh, so true she's an incredible actress she's an incredible actress how can you get that much across it's so real a star is born darling a star is born Uh, Hannah that recap was phenomenal was it brilliant yeah seriously thanks um, a few thoughts and theories then this week as well. Uh, there's an email from Greg McLean. McLean, uh, I think Ted has something to do with the death of John Corbett's birth dad. Uh, with the injuries John gave to Ted's wife resembling those of his dad sending a message to Ted, John was on a revenge mission to get Ted framed or killed for being the top member of the OCG. This is something Ted realises and is trying to get covered up. The only way for that to happen is for John to be killed. When Steve defies orders to kill John, Ted has to go to Plan B, meet with the member of the OCG in prison. In the conversation we never got to see, I think he told him that John's a UCO, knowing that that would get back to the OCG who would then kill him. I also think Lisa... Yeah, I also think Lisa is an undercover officer, but knew if she tried to save John that she would be killed too. So so he had to be collateral damage, hence the tearful reaction action after his death I don't think Lee, the Lee Banks thing was connected to Lisa I think the thing that Ted typed bring it to a close yeah I read that as the order to kill John I think either of them could be and the problem is we didn't see the, the um, Lee Banks conversation. and also he could have been asked he could have been given Lee Banks a deal for something do you know yeah. what I mean he could have been talking to Lee Banks the whole time yeah, and you have to remember that, like we were saying, that Lee Banks meet was all above board, so he can't be doing nothing too dodgy. Yeah, no. Will, Emma and Hannah agreed with you as well with the we need to bring this to a close, they think was a message directed at Lisa. Because she looked a bit horrified when she saw it. She and I know, yeah, she looked a bit shook, you know. Yeah. Um, we have an email here from June Delaney. She said, I am now convinced that McQueen is undercover and that Hastings is sending messages to her. The definitely is perhaps the key word. I'm hoping this message didn't give the go-ahead to kill John Corbett. I'm gutted he's dead. I feel you. Um, I still think Hastings is a good guy, but they're making it way too obvious. He could be also undercover. Oh, my Lord. I never <laughs> even thought of that. Also, I'm never, ever going to be able to spell definitely again. I know. 
Um, Ever again. Harriet Lucy goes all the way back to series one, episode one. Now this, Hannah, is something that I came up to you about, I think before this season oh, even started. Oh, if you can smell it. Um, so Harriet says, if I recall correctly, yes, you do, Harriet. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ted talks to Steve about a pipe bomb explosion and his friend ended up dead. Maybe Corbett's dad was Ted Hastings' friend. Now, I didn't think about that second part. But there is this in the very first interrogation scene with um, Lenny James. Yes. Yes. At the end, he leaves and Steve questions Ted's, you know, motive or passion. And what's the Ted was like, you have no idea what I've been through. Yeah. And he says that, you know, me and the, the other Catholic fella, basically, in the police force in Belfast at the time, were sent out in a job, ran over a pipe bomb. He died. I was in intensive care for however long. Uh, the log, you know, all record of it got destroyed. There was no proof. It was covered up. It was co- basically covered up. And, you know, you could look at that in two ways. Either that is the reason that Ted wants to make sure that there is no corruption in the police force. Which is how it was spun in season one. Yeah, yes. Or he could be extremely bitter and... Let's tweet out that clip. It's on YouTube. So I, we'll tweet it yeah. out so people can watch it. Um, a lot of people were sending us in a screen grab of the Line of Duty Wikia page and it's it's Ted Hastings' profile and in the professional section it says all of that that he was an officer in 1983 uh, serving with the Royal Ulster Constabulary and he was subjected to discrimination based on his Catholic faith and that the person was killed in the pipe bomb and it was all covered up. Um, a lot of people think that Steve, that Steve, that John Corbett's dad was the partner. So that's, yes. th- that's, that's been kind of widely tweeted over the last while and they're like, it's Corbett's vendetta against Ted this whole time. But what I can't figure out is, did he just happen to be in OCG, OCG? gang or OCG was he did he happen to just go into a gang that Ted was investigating or did he become a police officer in order to try and get involved with Ted and frame like that is very far-fetched at the same time I know there's some sort of connection but it is kind of is that just a coincidence Listen to this. An email from Sarah Lockyer said I think it was mentioned in one of the episodes of season 5 that Lisa McQueen was in a children's home I did, if that was, I missed it. I completely missed that. Well, they put up the up. thing last week about the social services. Yeah. There's a file about social services with her. And then in this week's episode, John said that Lisa it goes way back with the gang. With the gang. And there's obviously that theory that she's uh, Jackie Laverty and Tony Gates' secret love child from when they were together in the 80s. Yeah, and I know that Sandsview is a boy's home, but maybe there's some sort of girl's home connection yeah. to it as well. Um, Sarah Oldfield says her nerves are in bits um, she says Lisa yeah Lisa has been a UCO for years and the OCG is being run by Ted her mission has been to find out what John Corbett is up to this would account for Ted being in Alison Powell's office in episode one oh, yeah, before, before Stephen Kate got, got there in as Lisa is part of Operation Pear Tree also yeah. uh, did you see this during the week uh, we've all assumed that Pear Tree is p- pears in the fruit P-E-A-R yes. a partridge in a pear tree somebody made the point or a few people made the point online this week the pear tree could be pears in P-A-I-R a pear as in John two. and Lisa yeah. and now, maybe they were both in there and didn't realise that they, they were, were both you know. I'm obsessed with that concept and I want to go back and rewatch because there is a bit where um, where Alison Pell swivels the computer around and I thought that the words pear tree were written on that when she's showing John's file so I want to go back and watch that and also when Kate storms in and takes all seizes all the evidence is there any boxes with it written on it like have we seen it written down yeah, that's what I want to find out I didn't take note 
I didn't take note of that. No, I think I'll back. have to go back and watch. Yeah. We wouldn't make AC12. Huh? No, we wouldn't. My Everyone... Craig just caught up on season five, so he's on episode two now. So I'll I might tell him to have a look out for us, will I? Do yeah, do okay. get yeah, our Craig be... on the case. He's our UCO. Craig. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've an email from Sam Walsh who says, "I think now that we have a Belfast connection through John, that this may be something to do with the H block. We didn't hear exactly what happened to John's parents, just as he was adopted to the UK at some stage, age ten. Perhaps Hastings was involved." In John's parents being taken off the scene in some way John certainly has no time for Ted Hastings I was disappointed that we were all left hanging on what happened with Jill in the bedroom and then John breaking into the wife's house and both of these things I felt were glazed over on this week's episode this series is reminding me of season 2 where all the strings only really tied together with Lindsay Denton during her flashback in the last episode. Yeah. Best line of the week, cancel the flowers, we're leaning towards muffins. <laughs> yeah, we're leaning towards muffins. <laughs> and, then, and then Sam goes, hello, how could she eat muffins with what looks like two broken arms? No. <laughs> hello. <laughs> uh, this is a dead email from Alec Watson. Um, it's a quick email on the language used by Lisa McQueen. So obviously uh, the idea that she's a UCO isn't anything new, but something stood out to me this week in the most recent episode and it was the way she spoke to Terry when trying to get information from him about the police raiding the print shop. She says, who was in charge of the police, Terry? Can you remember that for me? He says, that language is very similar to that used by police when questioning vulnerable subjects. Does kind of sound a bit like Kate talking That's to Ryan. Exactly that exactly what, what I of? thought. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because um, she always says, like, can you do that for me? Yeah. Can you remember that for yeah. me? He says, I've included screenshots from season four showing how the police question Michael Farmer and Melanie. And oh, Michael Farmer. Very Michael email. Farmer. Thank you so much. Um, can you help us with uh, what you mean by nowhere, please, Michael? Please, can you help us do that, Melanie? Um, and just to remind you, so Lisa said, who was that in charge of the police, Terry? Can you remember that for me? Of course, the police do not have a monopoly on these words, but it's just something that leapt out to me as soon as Lisa said it to Terry. I'd be interested to hear what you think. We think that's uh, yeah. very yeah, observant. That's such a great very, observation. Very observation. Is observative a word? Because I've said it twice on this now, and I'm not 100% observant, sure. Observant, I think. Thank Ob- you so much. Observant. I yeah. Google Very it after. Observant. I have a degree in English. And, and I, I, oh, I, I've won in French. And I could, <laughs> no, but I couldn't tell you whether that's a word or not. So thanks yeah. so much Very for paying for my college parents. Uh, I've one final uh, thought and theory here from Lewis Bryant. He says there is 1,000% something bad that's happened in the past that links the two of them. Uh, that's Ted and John Corbett. Um, possibly something Ted did or covered up while working for the Royal Ulster Constabulary in Northern Ireland. It's the only way we can explain John's words. He'll know what he cost me. And no, it's not going to come from me. Otherwise, I'll get rolled off as a lie. It'll get rolled off as a lie. And it, as it always was... It has to come from him. And then Lewis says the key word is always was. This implies the reason he inflicted those wounds was to send a message to Ted about something he did in the past, which was covered up. John's clearly tried to get uh, his truth out before he's been called a liar. This would explain why this whole time he's known who Hastings is and had it out for him. Ooh. Do you guys as well, what's really interesting too, is that in the episode when Stephen Graham's on the phone to his wife, uh, when John's on the phone to the wife, and he says, did they ask you anything about Anne-Marie and Anne-Marie's his mum? And I just think there's something to do with the mum as well. I think that we're all assuming the officer is is his dad, who was Ted's partner. But he asked something about his mum to his wife, and I just think there's something to do with Anne-Marie. Definitely. So the dad died, um, where is this? I think it was 84, and the mum died. It says she died in 1989. Yeah. So so it was only when the mum died, he was obviously put into adoption and moved to a relative in Liverpool. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, so they mentioned that. He mentions his mum and then Steph, his wife, brings up the name Anne-Marie and then we've also heard that before. So there's something going on there. Mm. With Anne-Marie. There's just, just now that you're saying it, I'm like, hmm, he said something about the mum. You know, the way we did a whole like little thing for Monique when she died because she was such an amazing character. Yep. Like, I know John isn't the same because he wasn't in all these seasons and he wasn't like purely good. But like, I will miss him. In four episodes, he has given us so much depth of incredible acting mm. and also he's portrayed that line which I love about the show the line of duty it's the line between good and evil and how everybody has That's so the ability Rebecca. to be both that is yeah. so and you profound. can be both all at once it's not black and white You, it's just a grey area that's exactly it um, so I will miss him so much but he has actually got a new show starting soon that sounds like it's right up our street oh come on will I tell you about it it's called The Virtues. It's written by Shane Meadows and Jack Thorne. So they're the lads who wrote This, this is England. England. Um, which Stephen Graham was kind of his breakthrough role. Jack Thorne also worked on Skins and Shameless. So it's that kind of gritty British vibe they're going for. Stephen Graham is going to play a guy called Joseph who is a troubled man with repressed memories who, uh, sorry, comes to Ireland. <gasps> To reconnect with his sister and confront his past. That's starting next month on Channel 4, four-part drama now. I'm telling you, that'll be on the season record. That's going straight in my basket. What are we expecting from next week's episode? Well, fellas, today we got some exciting news from the BBC. Oh, you've been on the laptop again. I have been on the laptop on MSN Messenger talking to Art Ted. At your age. Guys, I mailed (laughs) me and Hannah earlier on because I was wondering like where if there was a trailer for next week because I missed last week's trailer. They make you work for them. And H is like, what did he say to you when you asked him when you get lost yeah so we don't have a trailer for next week however we did get some juicy information Anna Maxwell Martin will play a major role in the final two episodes of Line of Duty series 5 so she's a BAFTA winning actor she's going to be Detective Chief Superintendent Patricia Carmichael a senior anti-corruption detective brought in from outside of AC12 viewers will first meet DCS Carmichael this Sunday at 9pm on BBC One isn't Patricia Carmichael the name of an icon? An icon. So she she was talking to the BBC about the announcement. She says she's been a fan of Line of Duty for years. So she was dead chuffed to be part of Series 5. That's she's gross. so pleased that she no longer has to keep it a secret. She feels honoured to follow in the footsteps of a host of great actors who make up the Line of Duty family. And Jed Mercurio, of course, has written a brilliant character in Carmichael. She's a woman on a mission. Oh, her. So Patricia Carmichael. Alison Powell and Jill Bigelow all in the cocktail bar Oh, with olives in their martini glasses wigs great hair and now what Jed said this week so he says he's delighted and flattered an actor of Anna Maxwell Martin's status agreed to play this pivotal role in Line of Duty Anna was a pleasure to work with and brought real depth to the character of DCS Carmichael Oh, and uh, we've had plenty of reactions. So I put that tweet up on the Shrine of Duty page earlier on, at Shrine of Duty on Twitter and Instagram, by the way. And one person wrote back to us, Jay Connor. He said, God, sorry, let me find my page now. God, I wouldn't be good at doing this full time, would I? Uh, he says, and why? I'll tell you why, mom. She's been brought in as an equal or one rank higher officer to question Ted in the glass box. It's going to be a one hour glass box special. (laughs) I can't wait for those beeps. Yeah, she's. We actually haven't had a a beep in a while. No, there hasn't been a beep. No. No. She's definitely been brought in. Jane Cafferty. We're getting a beep. Yeah, she's definitely been brought in to, to investigate, if not question, or really like. She's brought in to investigate AC12. Yeah. Next week, I think we are getting 
Uh, Lisa McQueen in the UCO or Lisa McQueen in the OCG reaction to what's just happened. Do you think she's going to cave? Like, is she like at the end of that? She's like going to have a meltdown. Yeah. I think it's so hard to tell. Like, we're getting a big, huge interview with Ted. Yeah, and we're getting. I think we're getting loads of case. <sighs> yeah, because she's been two in the background. She's in the background. But she's one. She's a DI, whereas she's a DS. So if Ted's been investigated, she's the highest ranking officer in AC12, so which means it's game the, on. She's the boss. She's Steve, the boss. We've the seen all this stuff this series. We see Steve with the back problems, the relationship with Sam and has broken up. He's on the dating apps. He's not getting any action. Ted's whole life's falling apart. He's living in a hotel. The wife's left and the wife's been tortured. Kate's, Kate's at home watching telly with the hubby in the sun. Yeah. They're going to find what? that money in Ted's G- in hotel room. Go. Yeah. Oh, and Moffat this week. Who hands someone a hundred grand? Um, also, just what Jed said, I don't know if you know if he said this or not. Um, a few people have said that he, he has said in an interview that H will not be revealed in this series. Did uh, we know that? No, I don't know. Excuse- what? <laughs> well, Jed? <laughs> Sorry, the two of you look... Absolutely what? devastated. I now I wasn't able to confirm this, but I've seen it in a few places. People are like, "Oh, Jed has said that like H won't be revealed." In Adrian five. Dunbar, when he was asked about H on the late late, when we were staring at him in the same room, yeah. he was not giving no, us anything. Well, I thought he gave us a lot. No, he, unless he was being very clever, he went, to, "Sure, I don't know who H is." He's like, I don't know who it is. And then uh, and well, maybe said the is. same thing today. They're like, we don't know who H is. And I'm well, like, maybe they're not lying though. Maybe they don't know. Yeah. Like, I think I, I could very well see this season with Ted behind bars and AC12 is upside down and Lisa McQueen is still knocking around and we're none the wiser. But oh, we're satisfied. Jesus. But I think... Would I be though? Well, they're back for season six, if not season seven, please God. Yeah. Oh, I mean, something big is going to happen next week to set up the 90 minute finale Can episode. Can we watch that together, guys? Absolutely. It's right. a feature length film, yeah. long episode, and it's what we need and deserve. A uh, special shout out this week for Killian Harford. He emailed us with a little surprise, right? Oh, that was lovely. So this is what he wrote to us. He goes, So cute. So I know you love your AC12 personalised mugs that Hannah's mum got us. So I thought it would be cool if you had your own AC12 ID. Don't worry, these IDs were not made by John Corbett and are not intended for impersonating anyone. Well, thank God. Brendan is my favourite. So he gets a detective inspector, right? (laughs) And Rebecca and Hannah get detective sergeant. I'll take that. Yes, thanks. All you need now is a plastic holder and a lanyard, maybe a personalised AC12 lanyard. We'll ask our people. And then you can wear it around to be part of the AC12 squad. I even got one for myself. I hope you like them. Killian. Thank you so much. Killian, thank you so much. Thank you, Killian. I'm disgusted that Brandon's in charge of us, but thank you so much. In fairness, though, I mean, I don't know what, I didn't know what was going on in that episode, Brandon. I think you, you know, you Brandon, and Hannah should Brandon, we call you mom. Call mom. me mom. Well, moms, that's it for this week's episode of Shrine of Duty. <laughs> a massive thank you to everyone who has listened, shared and gotten in touch. If you have a thought or theory, email it to shrineofduty at gmail.com. Make sure you rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Insta and Twitter. We're at Shrine of Duty. Um, can't believe that Adrian Dunmore was in an Elvis tribute band you learn something new every day guys also I have one last question go on flowers or muffins <laughs> Shrine of Duty there's only one thing I'm interested in one thing only and that's bent covers Shrine of Duty the official unofficial podcast Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.